Yeah, it's weight rated, not for me. Okay. <laughs> it's seriously. It's a bit wobbly, it's not good for me. It is a bit wobbly. It is a bit wobbly. So um, Mel and I wanted to share because we've got a, a small video for you today to watch just for 12, 13 minutes. Uh, because we want to talk about every heart's cry, really. Yeah. Which Mel was going to read a section, which... Did you lose the section that I'd marked? No, okay. no, it's still there. No, you didn't, no, you didn't ask. You didn't ask. But <laughs> sure. have that for a minute. So the reason we want to do every heart's cry, and the reason why we're talking about it now for those that are at home, is because, one, we're encouraging everyone that's part of the Family Life Church here at Mount Clear, the family, to be a part of it. So I'd go as far as to say sometimes you know, your Christianity works and plays out really easy. Sometimes it's a sacrifice. So if you don't have time on a Tuesday, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, make time. Can I ask you to make time? My catch cry for this year, the theme for this year, as far as I feel God is leading us is this. It's the word friendship slash relationship. And I think every heart's cry and that theme is really the beginning of discipleship yeah there's a post i don't know nath can you run my phone up to me for a minute please mate i, I don't want to run i'll be out of breath um it's funny he comes he comes riding with me because i've been on a on a bike and even though i've got a padded backside it still hurts um but uh, we're riding along and i'm like <sighs> i can hardly breathe you know i go man I go, we're going fast. <laughs> I bet you guys go faster when he goes with his friends. And he's like, oh, yeah. And all I get is he, ri he rides off and then he goes, come on, Dad. Come on, Dad. I'm like, <sighs> like, it's the worst. If you were to see me, you would probably just laugh. Yesterday, leaving uh, Nathan Chapel's house, I had a little white dog chase me. I had to jump off my bike three times. If it wasn't his neighbour's dog, I would have kicked it into the, somebody's front yard. But I just... And coming out of their place, there's this big hill. So if you don't get a run up, you just don't get up, <laughs> right? So because of this dog, I had to walk my bike up the hill. By the time I got up the hill, lucky Nathan carries a portable defibrillator because then he brought me back to life just so I could get home. <laughs> You're laughing, it's true. Nathan's singing, I saw you jump off the bike like three times. <laughs> you were scared. <laughs> Because it was going to nip me at the ankles. I, I, I so, for those that are at home, I so believe that this little white dog was going to grab my Achilles tendon and rip it off the bone. Anyway, <laughs> let me just find this. I, I want to share this. I posted it on our, um, unfortunately for some of our social media, a lot of our stuff's still under Mount Clear Church or Mount Clear Church of Christ, which is okay. Just my complacency and you know, easing into the year. But um, I really feel as though this particular post leads us into every heart's cry. And not only that, gives us a snapshot on what many of us have actually experienced in life. We're, connect we're created to be connected with Father God. Yeah, full stop. With that, part of that connection and that seamless connection with him is to be connected with one another. That's been lost and that's been, I believe, has been broken. And I'll share this because it actually brings about 
some really valid truth for why we think this is the beginning of discipleship, why we want to do this friendship group together, why we're challenging all of us to be a part of it. Because, look, the truth is many churches have many friendship groups, connect groups, Bible studies, and the reality is that many churches don't have all of their people engaged. I would love to see a majority of our people engaged, and I want to see that because of this. This article was in the uh, churchleaders.com. It's a, a magazine article that goes out, goes out across the world. And the writer writes this. I've lost count of the number of Christians who've told me they've either stopped attending church or left their church to join another one because they couldn't make any friends there. They report that the church people were friendly enough, they were hospitable and welcoming. As one person told me, they're nice to you, but no one becomes your friend and it hurts when all that friendliness leads only to friendlessness. Yeah? Get this. In the 1950s, sociologist David Reisman coined the term the lonely crowd in part to describe collectives of people who live according to common traditions and conforming values. Really, that's what brings us together as church, common traditions and values, yeah? but who barely know or like each other, I fear the church is in danger of becoming such a lonely crowd. I know pastors think long and hard about how to be better preachers and leaders, how to calibrate the church's ministries to meet needs and serve others, how to be more missional, more adaptive, more innovative. These are all good things, but is it possible that all that leadership development, visioning and ministry planning might be wasted if people can't find friends and just drift away? And then he says, before we start beating ourselves up about how friendless churches can be, we should note that this is a society problem. In his book, Social, by Matthew Lieberman, reports on a survey of people's social connections that was done in 1985 and again in 2004. People were asked to list their friends in response to this question. Over the last six months, who are the people with whom you've discussed matters most important to you? In 1985, the most common number of friends listed was three. 59% of respondents listed three or more friends fitting this description. By 2004, you've got to remember, we're now in 2021. So I... I, 2022. So I can guarantee... Let's see, I'm still suffering and in fear and PST, whatever it is, because of the dog. Um, PTSD. But by 2004, the most common number of friends with whom you would discuss important matters was zero. Was zero. And only 30% of respondents, 37, listed three or more friends. Back in 85, only 10% indicated they had zero confidants. In 2004, this number had skyrocketed to 25. As Lieberman says, so this is back in 2004, one out of every four of us, think about this room alone, is walking around with no one to share our lives with. Yeah? I can guarantee you that that number has escalated. Yeah, and triple because there are people in this room, people that are watching at home, pastors, that if you ask them, who is it that you share when you need to share some, you, you, some of the stuff that you struggle with, your actual struggle struggles, not your superficial struggles that it's okay to share, you know, that you really deep stuff, who is it? And so many, I'm telling you, so many, I don't. I don't have anyone. You know, they say that in leadership it's lonely. I think life has become lonely. And I, I would go as far as to say that the pandemic, you know, COVID, 
has actually taught people how to be sufficient on their own. Yeah, no one's sufficient because, you know, at the moment you've got the suicide rates are skyrocketing. Mental health is off the charts because we were connected for something. I, I want to go on, but I'll throw it to you in case you want to say something rather than just look pretty. I actually just want to read the dedication in the book because I really love it. It says, To those who have chosen to hear the cry of the heart and listen, to those who are brave enough to love and to be loved unconditionally, and above all, to our awesome God who is love and who answers the call of every heart's cry, the one who relentlessly pursues emotional connection to our hearts, who binds up the wounds of the brokenhearted and carries them home for God, who is the healer of our heart. And it really is about... Thanks for sharing, Andrew. That was great. I haven't finished. So, okay. Well, we kind of want to fix that problem. We want to create more connection. We want to create real connection. We want to create um, real friendship. You know, I really believe that the desire of everybody's heart is to be seen to be really That's seen, be authentically seen for who you are, you know, warts and all, ugly bits and all, you know, short fallings and all, yeah, because we all have them, and to actually be loved in spite of all of those things, to be loved just exactly the way that you are. Come on. But so often we're covering things up and we're trying to paint a perfect picture because we don't want people to see the messy bits or the ugly bits for the fear that it might change how they feel about us or the way that they love us. So this is, course is all about actually getting to that place where we can learn to love each other really well in the messy, in the ugly, in the short fallings because we are all beautiful, extraordinary, amazing, you know, God's creation, human beings that are messy and are ugly and we are still completely loved. You know, the one who, you know, knows us best is the one who loves us most and he wants us to love one another exactly the same way that he actually loves us. So it's about a journey of actually working towards that. And it just says here on the first page, every heart's cry is to love and be loved unconditionally. Human beings long to connect emotionally and to feel the joy and peace that true unconditional love promises to bring to survive mentally, physically, socially and spiritually, human beings need love. Yeah? We need to be loved. We're created to be loved and we are created to be loved well by God and one another. So this is just a journey for all of us to go on that together, you know, and what makes us disconnect and and fears so that we can actually recognise those and actually learn how to love even though we think, oh, I'll withdraw now because, oh, they might see that and that might change how they feel about me. And sometimes we sabotage relationships because we don't want people to get too close just in case they discover something that they don't like. But, you know, what if we could just totally love no matter what? What if we could love completely the way Father God does and the closer the get we get, the more we love and the more we actually respect people's vulnerability and openness, yeah? Like what a beautiful thing that would be. What a beautiful world that would be if we could all learn to love like that. Mm. So I'm going to take the Shine primary school kids down to Kids Church 
and Pastor Andrew is going to finish the rest of the morning because I've been hanging out to spend time with our beautiful Shine kids for a long time. So let's go, kids. Over to you, Pastor Andrew. Yep. Thank you for listening. Turn off that mic. Yep, that's right. Turn it off quickly. I, I don't do it as well as her sit here, smile, look pretty. She does that much better than I do. You know, I know, right? You didn't have to agree totally. Like, hello. Um, the book itself, we're actually going to have this, um, for those that are, uh, are relatively new to our church, we have in the past, pre-COVID, done what we called Book of the Month. Hasn't always been monthly, but Book of the Month. So this is going to be Book of the Month. So we're going to buy some copies of these and have them available for you at um, $15. If you have a look online, you can either buy them for $20 or $12. If you buy them for $12, you'll get charged $9 or actually $10 delivery. So $15 from us is much better. So we're going to get some of those over the next week or two to have available. Part of the friendship group is a study guide that we'll print out so that you can have and use and we can work through together. Um, Mel talked about how uh, people disengage. Often people sabotage relationships so they don't get too close, you know. The minute that you actually want to share your own really deep, uh, I've, it's, I've worked it up, I've finally got it to a place where I can share it, I'm going to overcome the shame and someone says, listen, I actually don't have time right now or I can't help you, maybe you should see a professional. You know, which is all well and good. I, I think we should all see someone, a counsellor, someone to be able to talk with and walk, walk through life with. But it's important. Imagine if all of us in this room, those listening at home, could say, actually, I have three, four, five really, really close friends. Actually, more than friends. They're my BFFs. And, and I can share anything. Nothing is embarrassing on that table. Imagine actually being able to say nothing is embarrassing on that table. Yeah. Um, Part of this article that you can find on our Facebook page and or group um, is really worth reading. It's not a big read, but I want to read this piece, this piece here. Church people struggle to be vulnerable. Friendship is more than just listening, although that's an essential start. Getting close to people, becoming their friends involves something more. It involves vulnerability. Face it, people don't become besties by only discussing the weather. Nothing hurts me more than... If someone that's a part of our family here decides to move on, and that's well and good, you pray for people, pray that they'll find another ministry, help them find another ministry. But it's when they move on and you don't know why because they've never shared it. They've never been vulnerable. They've never said, hey, you know, this happened, this person did this, you swore while you preached. Whatever it might be that offended them, you know, they never share it and then they walk away. That is the hardest pill to swallow, Yeah. I think that church, every church, should have people that are so closely connected that if someone moves left, the person on their right knows and says, hey, we need to pray. All right, no worries. Why? Because so-and-so stepped right, stepped left. You know, we, not that we want to know each other's business, but you need to have people that you can actually share your dirty laundry with because we all have struggles. We all, we all have struggles, yeah? goes on to say... Um, Allowing yourself to be vulnerable helps the other person to trust you precisely because you're putting yourself at emotional, psychological or physical risk. That's generally the place that most people tend to step away. Other people tend to react by being more open and vulnerable themselves. The fact that both of you are letting down your guard helps to lay the groundwork for a faster, closer personal connection. The great enemy here is shame. Nothing silences us more effectively than shame. 
Sadly, church people are often the most shamed people. This could have come from old church patterns about needing to appear clean and tidy and always winning. Our church might have taught us to never show the parts of our lives that are messy, dirty or embarrassing. I think that might be because a lot of church unwittingly promote perfectionism, which a condition, um, which a condition in which people constantly ask, what will they think? But as Brene Brown says, the irony is that we attempt to disown our difficult stories to appear more whole or more acceptable, but our wholeness, even our wholeheartedness, actually depends on the integration of all our experiences, including the, the fails and the falls. Brown also writes, if we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame can't survive. It's in the courage of vulnerability we find connection with another and then potentially friendship with them. We're going to watch this video just to lay the groundwork for every heart's cry. Yeah, this isn't a challenge to buy the book when it's book of the month. It's a not yet. Big thanks. That's all right. It's okay. I'm almost done. Pause would work at any time. <laughs> Thank you. That's all right. Pause. It's still going. I, I'm really struggling to sit up here and smile, Vic. <laughs> Let's watch the video and then I'll come back later. How's that? Wait, we got it? All right. Okay, don't press play. <laughs> so if anything, you want to come along just so you can enjoy a laugh with us. You know, at the end of the day. I have no idea where I was going. The thought that I had has flown the coop. My mum would say in Italian, el cervello es sparito. It means a little bird, the idea, it's gone. So it's out in the ether somewhere. So we're going to watch it and then I'll come back later. Um, I know what I was saying was it's not a challenge to buy the book. It is a challenge to connect. Um, I made mention during a sermon, I think it was last week, if we disown some of the stuff that we're going through, in reality, what we're saying is that we don't need Jesus. Yeah, think about that. But also, one of the comments I made is this year, we're going after relationship and we're going after friendship and we're going to do that with our kids and we're going to do that with the youth that we have and we're going to do that with the young adults that are here. We're going to have, and we're going to encourage, we already have people that are ready and willing to open their homes because discipleship happens through friendship first. It's not the program. The programs are great. But you take friendship away from that and people will come and people will go. It happens in large churches where you can hide in the back. I, don't want, I want this church to be large. I never want this church to be a place that you can hide. I want this place to be the minute that you're not here, someone actually rings you and pesters you and says, you're not here. You know, why? Are you okay? Is everything all right? You know, that's the place that Mel and I want to build. That's the place that we have, over the last 11 years, kept investing our lives into. And this year, we really want to go after having a core group of people that are so well-connected that whoever walks in, whether it's their first time yeah, or their second time, someone is just loving on them, not just for the Sunday, but because you are intently, keenly interested in their lives and you want to see them grow and flourish in the things of God. Amen. Thanks, Vic. I'll get you to press play now. Every story matters. Need to talk? We're here to listen. A 
caring conversation is just a phone call away. Unfortunately, this is an ad. It <laughs> comes on the video. Brave Enough Care Line, 1800 Brave You. Every heart's cry is to love and be loved unconditionally. Human beings long to connect emotionally and feel the joy and peace that true unconditional love promises to bring. To survive mentally, physically, socially and spiritually, human beings need love just as much as the air we breathe. In fact, people die due to lack of love. This is proven to be true. In the days of Soviet communist Russia, it was noted that babies in state orphanages were dying at an alarming rate, which made little sense. The babies were well cared for, given the food they needed and had clean, warm beds to sleep in. But after careful investigation, a startling conclusion was reached. While these babies were provided the basic physical care, there was one thing missing. And this thing was the deciding factor between life and death. Nobody on staff ever picked up a baby, held it, hugged it, or spoke loving words, or even made eye contact with any of the babies. And that finding proved to be the factor in the deaths. The absence of love, cuddling, and eye contact proved to be deadly. And it's not just babies that are affected. A newspaper article told of a prominent businessman who was found slumped over his desk with a fatal gunshot wound to his head. A note found next to him stated, nobody ever said thank you. Even money couldn't overcome the deficit of love, acceptance or appreciation. We all have our personal stories of disconnection, loneliness and rejection. My first disconnection story started at two years old when my parents were divorced. And that was a really tough time. By the time I was four years old, they were remarried and by seven, my own father, after an access visit, just cut contact with no warning. And then my stepfather, whom I'd adored up to that point, became emotionally and sometimes physically abusive. I've lost a baby. I've dealt with so many um, traumatic experiences, including anxiety disorder. But God got hold of my heart and I was able to journey through the valley with him and come out the other side. But going through that valley ignited my passion to see others set free. People are feeling lonely and disconnected all around us, in crowds, in marriages, and even in our own churches. You know, we wear masks to hide the pain, but not even realizing that God is calling us to do just the opposite, to be vulnerable and to stay connected to him and one another. I've found this to be true actually wherever I've been speaking or ministering around the world, sitting with people as they give me the sacred honour of being with them as they pour out their heart while sharing the deepest and most excruciating parts of their story. 
But all of those stories have one common factor. Whether they're dealing with addiction or grief or bitterness or depression and anxiety, the same core issue emerges. Every heart's cry is to be heard and connected to love and be loved. You see, emotional intimacy exists in many contexts, whether it's marriage or friendship or parenting, but humans need it, even though these depths of connection can vary. My desire for you during our time together in this study is that you'll find the answer to the cry of your heart and unlock one of the greatest blessings of this life. And I pray that amongst the jungle of disconnect that you'll find a path that leads you to a closer emotional connection with the heart of God and the hearts of those around you. Now, if you happen to find some sensitive topics as we do some life together over the next few sessions, please be kind to yourself and remember that it's a journey and a process. We'll have some gifts and tools that you can access along the way too. I pray that above all else, you choose to be brave enough to love. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Has your heart ever cried out, maybe even screamed to be seen and heard, to be understood, to be really loved? Every heart's cry is to love and be loved unconditionally, to see imperfection in yourself or another person and choose to love and be loved anyway. God revealed to me during my time of healing why God wired us to connect, how and why we disconnect, and why we all have a personal need and a spiritual responsibility to connect with one another in love and how all of these experiences of disconnection in our lives relate directly to the spiritual battle going on around us between Christ and Satan, where it all began and how it will be overcome. It was during my own healing journey that God brought me to a place of vulnerability and the discovery of the beautiful healing and blessing of true emotional connection and unconditional love. The Reverend Austin Miles says, love propels us to greatness. It opens one's being so that the Holy Spirit without restriction can pour in full power for spectacular answers to prayer and the right words to say at the right time, as well as an anointing of perfect peace and joy, the two things that all people desire most. Love sustains us spiritually, physically, and emotionally. But while we're hardwired with the need to receive love, the reverse is also true. We have an innate need within us to give love. I mean, think about a new mum's natural instincts to love. They kick in after the birth of their baby and awesome displays in nature are also evident where 
one species, for example, will take in another and care for it. I've even seen a video recently of a young calf laying on the grass nurturing a chicken and a dash hound playing with a turtle. But I think sometimes animals just seem to display more love and care than we as humans do. Love is so essential to life and we have a deep need and longing for it. Yet the fact remains that we live in a broken world full of collateral damage. We have parents who generation after generation have been battling their own demons, addictions and traumas. And if we're really honest, we see that we've inherited some of this damage and maybe even passed it down to our own kids. Some of us were neglected or didn't know any better. So we can't give to the generations that follow what we ourselves haven't received. And yet we crave the promise of love even though at times it seems to elude us. Sometimes in our hunger for love, we go looking for it in all the wrong places, often ending up getting ourselves into trouble and heading down some really wrong roads. We get hurt and end up closing off our hearts or worse, we make the decision not to let anyone in ever again for fear of another rejection. We join the great masquerade, we get on Facebook or we, we turn up to church and we pretend that we're fine while all the while yearning for a real conversation. You know, a heartfelt hug to be asked, how are you doing today by someone who actually gives a rip and wants to hear a truthful answer. Sometimes the cry of our heart is silenced though by the delusions of the enemy. And we begin to believe lies that we're not worthy of love, not worthy of anything, we're incapable of connecting, we're not lovable. So we chase a false sense of love and acceptance by throwing ourselves into work or addictions or unhealthy situations or relationships for affirmation and we seek to disconnect or escape. We try anything to hush the cry from within when what we truly crave is to connect. At other times, we're deceived into believing that we can get by on our own without connecting or loving or being loved. And this trap is especially seductive when we've been hurt. You know, it's just easier to down a cup of concrete and harden up than to allow ourselves to feel. And it's easier to numb the pain with drugs or to pack up and move on or to dissociate and escape reality. I mean, what a paradox. The very thing that we long for is the thing that we sabotage often without realizing it. We long for a friend, we long for emotional connection, and God longs to gift us with it. But the fear of loss and rejection scares us. The enemy's taunts flood our minds with things like, you don't know how to do this, or she has an agenda, she couldn't possibly love you for you, or she's going to run just like everyone else, so you'd better run first. Can you relate to that? In the book, The Supernatural Ways of Royalty, one of the authors describes what God showed him about his own relational sabotage. He said, I learned that whenever someone values us more than we value ourselves, we tend to sabotage our relationship with that person. Secretly, we don't want them to get close enough to find out that we aren't as good as they think we are. He goes on to say, when the friendship starts to break the outer boundaries of their hearts, entering the inner court of their souls, they begin to do things to destroy their relationship. They're afraid that their lover will look deep within and see the imperfections they're convinced they see. Even in our relational sabotage, we keep yearning for something more meaningful. 
We yearn for someone to see us, and I mean really see us. We yearn for someone to look past the ugly stuff to our hearts and to love us anyway, to truly understand us and fight for us to stay. Perhaps even more significant is the longing to give love, but having a fear that no one wants to receive it, so we withhold. But true unconditional love, true selflessness, is found when our desire to love is greater than our desire to be loved. How then do we explain this strange sensation of disconnection that seems to have the power to eat away at us to our very core until all that's left of us is a cold, dark, numb and empty shell? Where did the connection go and can we get it back? Any points there that ring home? <laughs> if I was to say now, if I was to ask a really simple question, so I'm going to ask anyone to just yell out. If you could sum up what you wanted in friendship in one word, what would it be? Journey. Sorry? Journey. Journey? Anyone? What would it be? What's it for you? Real. Closeness? Real? Real? There was someone over here, sorry. Intimacy? Um, sorry? Belonging, yeah. Um, one of the things that was written here, just, just on picking one line out of a book, and it's a quote by uh, Brene Brown, we are literally grieving the greatest loss in history, uninterrupted connection with God and one another. Like that, I love that. Man, I don't know about you, but I... I I want to be able to have a circle. It doesn't have to be the whole church. It doesn't have to be everyone you know. But we all need, if we go back to 1985, at least three. <laughs> right? People that we actually can say, you know what, this is my struggle at the moment. You know what, this morning I got up and I put myself back to bed and I curled up in a fetal position. I didn't even have the strength to make a coffee. Like, who is it that we can share with that we can get alongside. Yeah. Let's truly, if we're going to be a church, let's be a church that's a family. Let's be a family that actually rally around and know one another. Let's be a place that when people walk in, they are so loved that they break down in tears. That song that we sang this morning um, and we sang last week, the uh, I, I Belong song. What is it? <laughs> I'm your beloved. The line that says, the one who loves who knows me best is the one who loves me most that line totally ruins me every time i sing it because that what it's saying is father god looks at me he sees every moment i'm broken every time i feel yuck every time i step out of line every time i react every time i explode every time i cry every time I'm frustrated, every time I'm critical, negative. He, he sees all of that, right? And yet, he's the one who still loves 
<laughs> who loves me best and most. Wow. That's what our connection with God is. That's why sometimes at church I'm totally undone because the reality of that grows for me as I grow with him. My heart's desire is for every believer, whether they're in this church, whether they're listening at home in another church, is that that reality of God's love for them is so real that they buckle under the, the intense weight of that truth and love. Because I think so many, so many believers, and me included some years ago, yeah, can go through life and say, I know God loves me. And it's a word, it's a thought, but there's no depth to it. There's no fleshing out of that truth. There's no real digging to find the nuggets of gold. Why is it that he loves me? And so I want that to be different for us. So, hey, everyone's everywhere. I, I know for those that are okay with it, can I ask people to... I'm, I just want people to sort of put a hand on somebody. I, I want to pray. And I want to pray a challenge that we would connect with one another. It's not about buying the book. <laughs> but that we would truly be a people that would step out to get to know somebody, to allow somebody into your world. Yeah, truly allow them into your world. And that requires vulnerability. Nath, go, Nath, go, go. Go with the young people. Go, Nath. Sally's in the wrong row. No, I'm joking. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Shh, that was online, wasn't it? Streaming. I'm so sorry. Uh. <laughs> Let's just pray that this year will look something different. Let's just pray that with our kids, they have a connection that no matter what peer pressure they come, come against and it comes upon them at school, that the peer pressure of their real, true relationships and friendships has more strength than that. Let's believe that the young adults that get together will build such a deep, intimate relationship with one another that no matter what is out there, no matter what party, no matter what fun, because let's face it, sin is pleasurable for a time, but it leads to death. Yeah, so you can, you can live a life that's so fun that eventually it removes you from God. Let's just pray that our connections are so close and so intimate that no matter what we step towards, it'll never pull us away from Father God. Yeah, And let's never allow what we're feeling, what we've been through, what shame we carry to stop ourselves and keep our Father at arm's length because he wants to come as close to us as possible. It doesn't matter whether we're wretched. It doesn't matter whether we're in our 27th marriage. It doesn't matter if you know, we're hurt and broken. It doesn't matter if we decided to abort a baby one time in our life somewhere. It doesn't matter what we've done. Yeah? But sometimes those things, we just keep God here so that you know, we don't want him to see the real us, but he knows the real us anyway. And then we do that with life. Let's not do that with life. Let's be a family together. So, Father, Lord, right now at this time, God, I just ask that you would do something so supernatural and so real. Lord, the book itself is called Every Heart's Cry. God, the longing that we have, Lord, as, as husbands, as, as wives, as friends, you know, as, as partners, as, as confidants, to be able to share with someone and know there's no judgment coming back. 
to be able to, to, to air our struggle and know that someone's there. Look like Jesus that day on the lake to reach down to Peter and not allow him to drown in his, his doubt, but instead to pick him up and fill him full of faith. Lord, may we be a people that will reach out to those that are around us and not just love them, not just be hospitable, Lord God. Those, those words, Father, torment me with all this friendliness in church to end up friendless lord god what a lord it just doesn't connect what a disparity god may we be a people that not only show friendliness lord but we create lord create friendships create relationships father may we go deeper than we've gone before may we allow ourselves to to be more open and more vulnerable knowing that we can be more hurt but father knowing that lord in in that journey god there is something so sweet and so precious because, Father, I know that you want to go deeper with us, Lord. You want more of us, more of our heart. And I pray, Lord God, as we enjoy more of you, Father, may our cup overflow so that those around us will enjoy more of you through us. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this moment in time, God, this, this line in this sand, this little drawing on an Etch-A-Sketch. God, I, I thank you, God, right now, Lord. And we just want to claim this moment to say, Father, we want to be a people that are bigger, that are better. Father, we want, Lord, the longing of our hearts is to be more like your son, Jesus. And, Father, he loved people so much that, Lord, they hung him on a cross. God, may we have the courage, Father, Lord, to be pinned up on a cross and yet love people just the same. Lord, will you do something special in the hearts of this family? Lord, Family Life Church here at Mount Clear, for those that are here, those that are, that are looking after our children, those that are watching at home, God, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a work. Father, in the same way that you moved last week in, Lord, a couple's home, I pray, Father, that you would move, Father, through people's homes right now. Lord, that even as we walk in, Lord, to feed our dog and kick our cats, Lord, that we would know that the Spirit of God has been present and done something special. So we thank you for this time together. And everybody said, I, I want to share something really, really quickly because it's cool. Um, something that I shared with the board on Monday. But I had a couple that rang on, on Monday just past. Um, and they, they rang and they, they, uh, the husband asked this question. He said, so how was your Sunday? And I, one of my frailties, weaknesses, I think the worst first, I'm thinking, oh no, why? What happened? What did I do? Were they watching at home? Were they watching at home? Did I do something silly? Did I say something silly? This all happens in a fraction of a second, right? All from the question, how was your Sunday? <laughs> like, I know, why did you ask something so deep? Anyway, so eventually, in that other half a second, I said it was really good. It was a really, really sweet Sunday. It, the presence of God was lovely. And, um, and then the wife chimed in and goes, oh, Andrew, oh, Andrew, it was like the Holy Spirit jumped through the screen. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, our streaming's okay. It's not great, right? And he goes, it was like Holy Spirit jumped through the screen and, and then... Partner X just started laughing and giggling and, and twitching as the presence of God was all over him. And we were just so joyous and we're thinking, oh my goodness, if this is our lounge room, how wonderful must it be in the house of God? Yeah. That's, again, 
that's not to convict people for not being here. That's just to say, when we create a place of true vulnerability, true love, true unity, yeah, because unity can only come if we go deeper. The Bible is very clear of God's promise. He commands the blessing. And if Holy Spirit can work through that camera and jump into someone's lounge room, then, oh, man, I can't wait for what God's got in store for us this year, yeah? Enjoy your Sunday, enjoy your coffee, enjoy your tea, hate your cats in Jesus' name.